Hi, and welcome to Only the Avatar. An Avatar The Last Airbender rewatch podcast. I'm Veda. And I'm Christina, and you're listening to Season 2, Episode 13, City of Walls and Secrets. I loved this sci-fi vibe dystopian episode. This was so fun. I know, definitely a dystopian episode. I feel like this is the episode that went from, you know, a kid show to an adult show. Like, very crazy themes going on right here, which is really cool to see. Um, It's so weird. Do you remember how popular dystopians were for a while? Like, Hunger Games. Yeah. um, Yeah, I think Hunger Games kind of, like, ushered in that whole trend of everyone was reading about them for a while. Like, early-ish 2000s. Yeah, like the Maze Runner, Mm -hmm. uh, Descendants, or whatever the one that Shailene Woodley was in. Yeah. Um, There were so many of them. And I feel like, have they really died out? I watch a lot of dystopian TV shows, like The 100 is a popular one. (laughs) The Rain on Netflix. They're both on Netflix. They're... The first season, the first couple seasons of the 100 is amazing, and then it gets like way too weird. But I stuck it through anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I give up on a show if I stop liking it. I'm like, okay, bye. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. Um, it was bad, but it was still addicting. I was like, I still need to know what happens. You know what I mean? <laughs> so maybe it still was good. I don't know. It wasn't um, like I was like I really don't care about these characters anymore. So <laughs> you know what I've been enjoying on Netflix recently? What is it? Firefly Lane really i didn't know that it's i'm kind of into it because it has such a unique storytelling style because it tells three time periods at the same time so Mm -hmm. like it feels very layered or like it makes time feel like a circle as you're watching it i think it has just such a cool effect i haven't seen many shows do that but do you remember how like everyone started to hate katherine heigl randomly yeah, I literally saw like the banner for uh, Firefly Lane and I was like, oh, good for her. She actually got work. Everyone canceled her for a while. Why was she canceled? <laughs> Do you remember? I think she was just like difficult to work with. So people like she, I guess she was blacklisted in Hollywood for being difficult to work with, so I would say. Was she actually difficult to work with or were just people being rude? Probably a mix of both because I know that there are act actors like men who are difficult to work with but they still book things you know what I mean it's the whole idea of like women must be likable unfortunately so and I read somewhere that like this was the first um, show that she's been on that they had an intimacy coach and um, intimacy coaches are becoming a lot more popular on set and Mm -hmm. so you just kind of think about like wow some of those scenes would be so awkward like some of these sex scenes are so awkward you're doing it in front of a whole crew you know like so many people and there's just like so much there has to be so much trust between the actors things can easily go wrong so it's it's great to have someone on set that is vouching for everyone and making sure that they're protected I'm so glad it's like becoming an addition to shows and how do you become an intimacy coach like how do you how do you do that? How do you get into that line of work? Like, what do you have to be like trained in? Because I mean, I'm sure you have to be trained in something. You know like what I mean? Sex education, psychology, um, and maybe something. You know how like there are doulas people too. Yeah. It's something. It's probably like there's some sort of training course specifically yeah. for that. Is what I'm guessing. Like similar to a doula. Yeah, that makes sense. That's that's kind of cool. That's yeah. Cool. How's your week going? Uh, it's a little stressful, but. Um, you know, happy to just be like watching Avatar instead or talking about <laughs> Avatar because it'll go, I'm like really stressed out about like something and I don't want to talk about it. Uh, maybe I will talk about it at one point, but <laughs> it was nice to escape 
and like watch something that did not involve my actual life yes so this was a stressful episode as well even though you know it's like at least it's not our stress but it is a stressful episode on its own it's something else it's not real life and like i watch a show so many times and i know what happens they say that if you watch a show all the time you have anxiety because you don't have to think about like oh what's gonna happen next yeah my god that's me that's definitely me because i watch avatar all the time i definitely do like rewatch shows and rewatch uh or re-listen to podcasts i really i re-listen to adult shit all the time i'm so sad that podcast died like it really it really captured something very very powerful between the two of them and the two hosts and they only it was only for a year but sometimes Mm -hmm. i listen to episodes and it just like i'll just keep it on in the background and like i've heard it a million times I've never even thought about re-listening to episodes. I've never in my life re-listened to an episode of a podcast. Really? <laughs> I've done it for another uh, another one to um yeah, that I listen to sometimes because I'm like, oh, this was so good. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. I feel like once I see what for the most part, once I listen to a podcast, like it's like a book to me. Like I don't reread books either. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, I know what happened, like I know what they talked about. Like that's enough for me. Case closed. So, I used to reread books when I was a kid. I mean, I feel like a lot of people do that. Yeah, but I haven't done it uh, recently in adulthood. But I actually got a craving to reread a book recently. So maybe I'm just slipping into some nostalgia feels. Yeah, I mean, like, so I will reread some short stories. Mm-hmm. But maybe I think it's more of a like, uh, why am I going to take more time out of my day to read something that I know already? Yeah, I only do it if I'm doing something else. Do you know what I mean? Or I just want to go back into that world for some mm-hmm. for some reason or I don't want to focus on like I only want it as a background noise I don't know yeah so, that makes variety sense. of reasons uh do you want to get into the episode yeah let's do it so in this episode we explore the eerie and uncanny world of bossing say the city is not what it seems at all and we follow the gang as they attempt to kind of like tell the earth king about the eclipse they have this mission to go and tell him about the eclipse and things are getting in the way they're continually ignored by leadership there. They're stopped. They're silenced. And it, there's a feeling that they're being managed by mm-hmm. city officials to keep quiet and just, like, not notice anything of what's going on in the city. It's very controlled. And there's definitely, like, I think uncanny is the right world it, word. It's just, it feels very odd. Yeah. And so while the gang is all kind of stuck and not able to move forward with their plan, Iroh and Zuko um, kind of move up in the world of bossing, say. They become team makers in the city. Um, they're one of the best team makers in the city as well. But someone is there to get in the way, and that's Jet. And that ends up becoming a huge battle between Jet and Zuko. And eventually, the leadership in bossing, say, or the police in bossing, say, uh, take Jet, and he's actually taken to a secret dungeon, which is a really cool way to end the episode. This is really interesting because we have been following the propaganda of the Fire Nation for so many episodes throughout yeah. the past season and a half, right? And now we're in this new city and like the city filled with the refugees and supposed to be this like great place, the stand-up place um, against all of the horrors that's happening in the Fire Nation. And we start to notice that 
there's so much propaganda and brainwashing and gentrification and it's so creepy that the earth kingdom is doing its own propaganda style in the city it makes sense in my mind ba sing say or the earth king well no ba sing say because this isn't happening in the earth kingdom ba sing say is the united states during world war ii right they're like i am not getting involved at least in the beginning of World War II, you know what I mean? They're like, I'm not getting involved. I'm going to try to make money off of this by selling weapons like across the sea. And I'm just going to keep it chill for a while. You know what I mean? That's how I see Bossing say right now. So I just felt it was so creepy the amount of the, the amount that they wanted to control their citizens. So, I mean, we yeah. could start off like the first time we start to notice notice this is when the gang is taken on a tour by uh, the tour guide. Her name Judy. is Judy. And, you know, they go to, to into the pet shop and like Sokka is just straight up. He's just like, where's the black market? We need to find Appa. Where's the black market? And you see her in the background going, no, don't do it. Like with that creepy smile. And he's like, oh, you know, I don't know. And like, this all kind of reminds me, the whole propaganda aspect of it kind of reminds me of like the terror law in the Philippines right mm-hmm. now, because like you can't t- talk out about the government. You can't really say anything about the government or you will get thrown in jail. So I see a lot of parallels. Yeah, it's control. It's all about control. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that Sokka continually tries to mention that they need to meet with the king and tell the king yeah. about the eclipse. And Judy ignores him or talks around him or, and Sokka's even like, I feel like she's only listening to half of what, I say and then that is like wow this woman is so robotic and it brings in that dystopian creepy energy some things that it reminded me of were um the Stepford Wives and I don't know if you've read or watched it but it's like especially towards the end of the episode when a new Judy appears it's like these are these robotic women designed for a very specific type of role. And Shepherd Wives is all about control of information. And it was like a, it's actually such a great book. And it was written as a response to women going into the workforce. And And wasn't Nicole Kidman in the movie, right? She's in the newer version of the movie. You should watch the older version of the movie. Don't watch the new version. Watch the old version, which is a lot better. And it's about like technology and they like the men actually get the husbands in the community that they're in, like get together and design these ideal women who are just like placated by housework. And they're actually all uh, like robots, basically. And Mm -hmm. it kind of reminds me of like that's one level of dystopian energy that's coming in through Judy. And the other aspect of like this regimented and segregated society, like we see that. Ba Sing Se is like multi circles and all the poor people or, you know, like the poor refugees and things like that. Yeah. Are out on the outer layer. Yeah. And it's just so clear. And the thing is, it's so funny because Katara and Sokka, they're so sheltered compared to like even Aang. Because mm-hmm. even Aang, like, Aang has gone over the world, but he's never come to Ba Sing Se because the monks didn't like it, right? Because the monks are all about, like, equality and treating people, like, fairly, and they're not about that structure, so opposite to them. So it's really interesting to see him just being like, I never came here. Like, there's just a weird vibe. And, like, Sok and Katara are like, where's the black market? Katara's like, why are all these poor people here? You know, like, just so yeah. naive about it. But, you know, like, the entire time, Toph knows exactly what's happening. She grew up at, like, 
very rich, high society, understands bossing say, you know what I mean? So and she's she, just like, oh, sure, I'm, we're getting handled. We know what's going on. And we see a lot of that class difference throughout the episode too, even when they go to the bear birthday party and they're mm-hmm. like, you guys cannot be part of high society. There's no way you guys can do it. It's just so interesting thinking about that because in every other episode, she's so different. You know, she's just like this tough chick, but she chose to leave high society and she she wanted to. I like that she said that. And you can see that she's her stress of independence and she hates like rules. And she, even when she's describing bossing, say when Sokka's so excited Mm -hmm. about it, she's like, it's just walls and rules. Like you're going to get bored of it. And you can imagine how stifling, like we know how stifling um, Toph's home life was for her, you know? She was super controlled the entire time and, you know, everything in the city is controlled. And, you know, like we talk about how creepy Judy is and how she's like a separate wife. But at the end of the day, she's exactly like every other person in that city, right? Because remember the neighbor, I think his name is Pong. Mm -hmm. The gang goes over to talk to him and he's like, listen, I worked really hard. I got this house from the government. Like, leave me alone. Don't talk to me about like anything. Don't talk about the Dali. Like, I just want to live a normal piece of life. They're all shunned to like, just not say anything. And Judy is the way she is because that's her job. And once, you know, she was able to give any, any, anything went out of line she got replaced like that you know another judy came about yeah so she's just trying to protect herself so it's uh i watched this i think i mentioned this on the podcast before but i watched this amazing documentary called hyper normalization by adam curtis and i actually recommend anyone to watch it it's super depressing but um totally like a bonding experience when you watch it and it points out the basically dystopian themes that are happening in our world right now um and it really reminded me like things from the episode reminded me of the documentary one thing that they were talking about in the documentary is that life has become so complicated and uh people and corporations and politicians in power try to invent a simplified narrative of what's happening in the world to basically placate the masses. And that's Mm -hmm. eventually detached from reality. And citizens in our world, and even in this episode, know that things feel odd. Like, for example, even the student, even Pong, like they all know that things feel weird and something is like off, but Mm -hmm. it's just so much easier or like there's almost like there's nothing else like they can't think of another reality than the one reality that we're all in so people accept it yeah it's the only option that they actually have you know what i mean like what are they going to do talk about it yeah and then they're going to be like jet you know what happens to jet at the end of the episode he becomes literally brainwashed you know what i mean so that must happen so much that must happen so much to like the people that they love that did speak out saying like oh like there's a war all of a sudden that person is gone the next day oh like there's a black market like they're gone the next day. You know, like, of course you're not going to talk. Of course it's going to be the way it is because you don't have the capability to, like, you, you know, the way that they're working these things out, they don't have the ability to, you know, form, like, a coalition of people to, like, overthrow the Dai Li or anything like that. Like, they're individual people just trying to survive at that point. So It keeps things – it keeps, like, the economy moving and it keeps things moving, but – Money. It's, it's always about the money. Yeah, it's about <laughs> money and power, but it's just – it's in. it's just, like – crazy to be observing this society and especially since we have the eyes of the protagonists and you can tell that they're like this is so weird you know yeah, they're and not they're, from oh yeah, yeah they're 
they're not from there, but like we keep, yeah. it points out how odd it is. And then when we, the way that the, you know, the animation works that we see Judy like trying to communicate with, you know, yeah. uh, the student, like, don't say anything. Like, no, no, no. There's probably a jillion Judy's going around. You know what I mean? Yeah. So everyone's getting handled. Um, I really did like that they showcased that narrative of us seeing the city, you know, when they first get there through the eyes of, you know, Katara and Sokka and Aang and, you know, seeing that they don't they don't get what the city is about. It The city is so big and so robust compared to every other city that they went to, but it's also so different. So it was really actually fun to see them interact with the city. What did you think about even like the architecture of the city or like once they had that first scene where they shoot and they see like the entire city, what did you think about that? I just felt like it was so brutal. Like it was, you know, like brutalistic architecture. It seems very like, again, it feels managed, right? Like they they don't want you to see anything. And also the differences between the circles, like layer one is one thing, layer two is you yeah. know, one thing. So that each one is so... So structured, <laughs> like talk about structure. We have fake gentrifying lines in the United States, but they like are like, nope, we're putting up a, we're putting up a, a ring. So we all know who's who. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, I was like, when we're listening to the student or the neighbor or Judy even talk about the the place that they live in like of course you're going to think of like 1984 or brave new world or any of these dystopian things but you know in 1984 they're in an endless war but then the the news and everything is always like war is peace like and Mm -hmm. peace is war like that's what they keep saying to the masses so all the citizens are like war is peace you know Mm -hmm. like and it just kind of reminds it really is a you know a clear mirror into this episode propaganda that's for sure yeah propaganda side note i really wanted to drink some of iroh's tea that's mixed with love (laughs) yeah i thought it was really cool that they showcased um you know zuka and iroh actually making a life there and iroh looked you would be surprised because you'd think iroh's going back to the city that he couldn't conquer he lost his son there but he's so happy there he's so happy to start anew start fresh make a new life make some tea like this new bot like him in bossing say is like such like it's good for him you know what i mean and it i really think it's showcase like the american dream in bossing say through iroh's eyes right like mm-hmm. he started out small he's a refugee and now he's working his way up to the tea shop you know the guy says you know what you deserve a promotion the people in the in the the store were like this is the best team bossing say that's like the epitome of what like america wants to think the american dream is you know so they're showcasing like that propaganda to us yeah Um, if that's propaganda i don't know what you think about that i mean it kind of is but it was nice to see it too right like just just because people do do it um my, I mean, honestly, some of my favorite scenes in this episode were Toph and Katara getting ready for the party, and they both looked amazing. They look so cute. And also, I thought it was so cool that Aang and Sokka were playing that game, like, um, water, air, fire, or something like that, like mm-hmm. rock, paper, scissors. So I wonder who beats what, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, me too. That's... Is it different in every country? Like, does water beat, like, everything else in the water, in, on, like, oh, that's if, so if interesting. you're in the water tribe, if you're in the Earth Kingdom, does, like, rock beat, like, everything else? I mm-hmm. wonder if it changes. Yeah, so they're, you know, they're getting dressed, they want to go to the party, and they want to sneak the boys in through the side. Uh, this whole scene was great of them trying to, like, get in, yeah, um, my favorite, but my favorite part was actually I have two favorite parts. But my favorite part in regards to the bear party, the fair party, <laughs> um, 
is when they're talking about, oh, it's a party for the king's bear. And they're like, you must mean platypus bear. And they're like, no, no, no. You must mean like anaconda bear. I can't think of all the hybrids that they have. And they're like, no, just just bear. And Toph just goes, this place is so weird. Like that was the breaking point was like that there wasn't a hybrid bear. I love it because they're probably like, what the hell is even a bear? Yeah. Um, Another great moment in this episode is when Jet barges in. Jet is like losing it in this episode. Like even his friends are like, listen, we're here to make a new life. You need Mm -hmm. to let this go. And he's like, no, I just want to prove it. I just want to prove it. He's basically stalking Iroh and Zuko, spying on them, trying to catch them in the act of using fire. And even and it's it's wild. Like Iroh is really restraining himself, even in his own home. He's using the sticks to create a fire rather than I I was actually surprised by that because you wouldn't think I mean he was so reckless when he warmed up the tea you'd think in his own home he'd be like I'll just light up myself you know what I mean he's also at the end goes like oh what kind neighbor so maybe he just wanted to meet the neighbors you really want to get acclimated who knows it's so cute and you know Jet like finally just barred like he loses it he truly loses it and he barges into the tea shop and tries to get them to fight (laughs) so so funny <laughs> i think we're thinking of the same exact thing um where, where he's basically just like i saw he's a firebender i saw him heating up tea and the guy's like he works at a tea shop <laughs> like he would not be a good lawyer he would not be a good lawyer at all everyone's like yeah he does heat up tea like that's his job but then zuko coming in fighting him with the broadswords that was also a great moment Good thing he's a blue spirit and has experience with broadswords. Catch was... you a man who can do both firebending yes. and broadswords. Exactly. It's just so clear that Jet has so much trauma from the Fire Nation, like from his past that he needs to figure out. Like he needs to go to therapy. And like, I know this like sounds a little weird, but I'm pretty sure, you know, he had so much anxiety about the Earth Kingdom or he had so much anxiety about the Fire Nation. Um, and then now that he's kind of safe within the walls of Ba Sing Se, his mind is so used to be used to being anxious about it that he's finding random things to be anxious about so mm-hmm. he's making up that there are firebenders around even though he has a right to be paranoid they are, fire they are firebenders <laughs> he's actually right so it's very awkward and yeah. also when he's thrown in jail like he's taken away by the cops and you the camera pans to his friends and they're just like that was heartbreaking to see that they just stood in the background they're already like being part of bossing say they're not gonna fight out they're gonna just let jet go sure jet like you know was going crazy but you'd think in another city or another place they would still fight for him that they would still fight for him even if he did get in trouble you know what i mean but they're already mm-hmm. getting influenced by bossing saying they're like you know what i gotta just be on my own do my own thing i can't I can't act out at all. So I thought that was really cool and interesting to see. Um, what were your thoughts on the Dai Li? They're the secret antagonist. Or they're not even a secret antagonist, but they're they're an antagonist of the entire show. You know what I mean? Like they're in the background. I like what the Dai Li guy was saying. I forgot his name. But of just saying, oh, like the king is a figurehead. He doesn't do mm-hmm. anything. I'm the one in control. Long Fei, you know, I think his name is. Long and, you know, that's kind of like England where they have the the queen and the prime minister but people vote you know for the prime minister i don't think anyone voted for the Dai Li, so you know it's it's an oligarchy like he's the one him and the Dai Li are in charge of everything you know what i mean every elected official is probably bought out by the Dai Li. yeah or the Dai Li are just in charge so they're so creepy like 
the scene in the party where like the gang slowly gets you know taken down one by one so creepy (laughs) yeah it's like you know like uh the ss in hitler world you know i thought i thought it was also cool the gloves the the rock gloves that they have to kind of like get people and things like that like they Mm -hmm. covered people's mouths to make sure that they didn't scream and that's how they took down jet too so Mm -hmm. the technology in the city is a little more advanced than the other cities in the earth kingdom i'd say that's a duh right yeah (laughs) they're so creepy and i actually like was i forgot for a second what happens before because i hadn't rewatched this episode in a while and i was like oh like okay so what happens to them and then when they you know the grand secretary like long long fay and you know, talks talks to them, gets them all together and talks to them. And it's just like, it's a threat, right? He's trying to scare them. Yeah. I mean, he knows about Appa. He knows where Appa is. Yeah. Basically. And he's been holding that back from the Avatar. You think, you know, if they really were working together, there would be no secrets or, you know, they, he would tell them about the bison, but he's using it as leverage. He, they found him. They're using him as leverage to make sure that they stay in line as well. Because I guess you can't oh. brainwash the Avatar. I guess you could brainwash his friends, but you can't brainwash the Avatar. <laughs> but it's such cult behavior, right? Like, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, whatever that Nexium or whatever that creepy cult is that was upstate. Yeah. yeah, like they they wanted anyone who was initiated into the cult, they would blackmail you. Like, so they wanted some, you know, collateral from you. So they wanted a video of you saying something that you did that was bad that they could use against you so you couldn't leave you know and like oppa is a collateral for them and it's just basic like cult tendencies you know power manipulation all coming out through this episode for sure they rule by fear for sure like that's why no one wants to say anything I mean, that's so obvious. Everyone looks so fearful. Every time they see a Judy, everyone tenses up. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) It's like they're watching you. You know what my favorite scene, though, of this entire episode was? What? When we find out why the Dai Li, why everything's off, you know, when Long Feng was saying, you know, we don't talk about the war in Boston Day. It makes everyone nervous. And that means that there's when people are nervous, we can't make as much money. We don't hold the power. Mm-hmm. So that's why we say there is no war in Bossing Say. And the exactly why he's talking about why there is no war in Bossing Say. Jet is getting taken down, brought to some like secret basement, and is brainwashed into thinking there is no war in Bossing Say. That Legit was just so powerful. Got like, chills during I know it was it was like honestly one of the best scenes in the entire series because it was just so poignant and really got it across that like there is no war in Bossing say that it's all fake. Everything they're hearing is fake. It's just etched into their mind, unfortunately. Yeah. So that was my favorite scene. Seriously got chills. That's you're right. I think it's one of the most powerful um moments in the series. Yeah. I mean it 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 showcases why things are the way they are in the city and that makes a major impact throughout the rest of the entire series. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a reason why they can't find Appa. Um, it, there's a weird partnership that happens that, um, you know, we could talk about, but um, between the Dai Li and someone else in the future. So it really dictates a lot of what happens moving forward. So side note, not on a serious note, but at the party, you know, when like Aang is just such a natural performer. <laughs> When he is like, the avatar, you know what I mean? I feel like he has to perform. I was just dying when he starts doing his things. Like, remember when he usually does his, like, awkward dance? But then he was... He does his awkward dance and he does the, um, the, the air, the air, the air ball. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
but he had a whole bunch all the elements in his ball this time i don't know i was just like in another life ang would have just been happy being like a showman oh absolutely he would he would have adapted well to like i mean he's from he's an air nomad you know what i mean i don't think he has like he's striving for power <laughs> he's really not he have a really like simple life i think it'd be fine but I just like laugh like anytime Ang's like, oh well, well, you know what? Let me entertain you. <laughs> like that's <laughs> it's just so good. Um yeah. yeah, overall, I think it was like just such a crazy episode in the way that, like, again, it really expanded the world of Bossing Say. And yeah. it's just showing us a whole different side because now we're seeing like two powerhouses against each other and now you can see why Bossing Se has escaped the clutches of the Fire Nation for so many years. Yeah, and I also feel like it sets the tone for the rest of the series. Like there's a shift in the tone. Like it was a little lighter beforehand, but now things are getting serious. We're meeting like new antagonists, new players that are going to like stop the gang from, you know, getting to their goal Mm -hmm. and i really like that they were able to showcase that through this episode and just showcasing how um how dysfunctional bossing say is i know it's meant to be functional but in reality it's dysfunctional because no one's actually showcasing their true feelings so oh do you want to mention uh the student oh and uh i forgot to mention a fun fact when we were talking about the student um in this episode remember where they're like oh where can we learn more about the fire nation the student goes oh talk to professor zay he'll know but professor zay is gone he's in the library we met him at the library episode and he is underground right now so i was like is this how do they not know that he's missing but i guess it was just hidden underground and it's also like but you know what maybe there is another professor zay that takes over kind of like judy yeah it could be it could be. And also, like, this professor definitely seemed like he would cause trouble because he's all about, like, knowledge and truth. I wonder if he got yeah. kicked out. Oh, maybe. Oh, another fun fact. Uh, Judy was actually designed after an Avatar line producer, Mike and Wong. Oh, I thought cool. that was pretty cool, too. But is that <laughs> insulting if someone designs you as this creepy? <laughs> I think, you know, maybe if she's supposed to be Stepford Wives, maybe yeah. she's I don't know I think a lot I bet you they have so many influences from the people and there's going to be good people that you want to look like on the show you know good Mm -hmm. characters and bad characters and they're just going to mix it up you know get who you are right (laughs) side note please watch the old version of Stepford Wives it is like is it available to stream or anything like that I have no idea let me the 1975 version oh no it's on whatever Tubi is Oh, yes, I can't see it. <laughs> so, well, I think that's it. Do you have any other thoughts? Um, I just think this was, like, one of the best episodes in the entire series. It's funny because, like, this is, like, a shorter – it was going to be a shorter episode, but it was just so good. Like, there's no critiquing, maybe. Like, I literally have no critiques of the, this episode. Nothing was bad about this episode. Yeah, it's honestly, like, great storytelling, awesome animation. It's very layered. Yes, very layered. There's um, just so much insight that you can bring out of it and references. And it made me actually – like, there's definitely a tinge of that sci-fi – energy and like i think avatar does cross a lot of different genres right like you're you're you can literally be like it's a cartoon some people argue like is it an anime is it not an anime like what is it and they do bring up a lot of tones and they and the creators do like playing with that like when we go to zuko alone we really get that feeling of it being a western and they really go into those tropes 
visually of it being a Western. That's cool that they're able, like they were given the liberty to be able to play around with the tone and the style throughout the entire series. I thought that was like just a really cool aspect that we could see sci-fi, we could see Western because like the studio allowed them to do that. Nickelodeon allowed them to do that. I think it's definitely one of the strengths of the show. And then watching it now, it like actually really made me want to watch some more sci-fi and watch some more dystopian things because like I... I just haven't been because we're basically living in one, you know? Yeah, I don't need that in my life, honestly. <laughs> but then I was like, oh, I forgot actually how much I enjoy this this kind of tone of it. Um, and it's also like, as you, if you're a kid watching it, I feel like it's kind of an introduction to all of these different styles. Yeah, and it's just enough, right? It's not an entire sci-fi series. It's not an entire Western series. It gives you little doses of it in between. So it is the perfect thing for a child or someone getting used to those different genres. So Yeah, and like they use the genre to its power. Like, you know, they like take yeah. the themes to really enhance their own st- storytelling And I think that's kind of the genius of the show is like that mixing of genres, the mixing of Eastern philosophy and Western philosophy and the two different styles of storytelling. It's Mm -hmm. just honestly what makes the show so great. And I feel like this is so unique too. You know what I mean? Like nothing else came out like this. I don't think anything else has come out like this since. Yeah, that's able to really hit like serious humor. I don't know. I just, I really love this episode and it like, the way it brings in all these influences is awesome. So I, yeah. I good. I would obviously give this five stars after I gushed about it. <laughs> yeah, five out of five cabbages. Cabbages. <laughs> One of the perfect episodes, and there was even some humor in it. I always like to like hope that there's humor in the episode, and there was even a little bit of that. Yeah, so it was definitely like self-referential humor. Sokka was very funny through it, and honestly, something yeah. that's interesting through this rewatch is that. I've actually started to like Toph a lot more, and I never used to like her when I watched it as a kid. Oh, that's interesting. I feel like I've always been a little... I think, you know, Toph grows on you throughout the series, right? When you first meet her, she's harsh, and then you get used to her, and, you know, she gets a little more likable, I would say. I feel like you definitely need a Toph in your friend group because she sticks up for you. She understands different situations. Like, it's true. These guys are country bumpkins. Like, they need her. You know, and you need someone to be honest to, right? Because imagine if they did try to get into that that party, they'd be thrown out right away. There's no way they're sneaking in. So it's good that she's honest with them. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for listening. And, you know, definitely check out Hypernormalization. I cannot recommend that documentary enough. It was honestly the best thing I watched. And make sure to like and subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review and follow us on Instagram as well. Thanks. See you next week. Bye. Bye.